1: Welcome to Clear Eyes Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode by episode look at the award winning TV show Friday Night Lights, created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Orstano. I played Mindy Collette Riggins.
2: And I'm Derek Phillips and I played Billy Riggins.
1: Our assumption is again, of course, that you, our listeners, have already watched the show.
2: But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV because there will be spoilers. Guys, we have merch that's right baby so go check out our brand new website designed by eleanor Carrez, who is at eleanor Carrez on instagram our website is www.cleareyesfullheartspod.com once again that's cleareyesfullheartspod.com and yeah we've got everything we got hats we got hoodies we got stickers what else we got stacy mugs and stuff yeah we got mugs and stuff that's the name of our our website it's not. You guys welcome to Mugs
1: and Stuff. Every few weeks, we're going to do an audience participation episode just to answer your questions. So email us what you want to know at clearicefullheartspod at gmail.com. Today, we are at Season 1, Episode 18, Extended Families, written by Carrie Aaron and directed by Charles Stone. Our synopsis from NBC goes a little something like this. When Buddy Garrity's affair is discovered, he finds himself in the doghouse and needing to impose on the tailors. And Lila turns to Jason for support, driving to surprise him at Quad Rugby Camp.
2: And we have an awesome guest with us today, the delightful and brilliant Asha Davis, who played Smash's electric love interest, Waverly Grady. So let's get into the highlights of this episode, and then we're going to talk with Asha.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: Top of the show. Like, yay, something football good happens.
2: Let me step in there for you, Stacey. A failed Hail Mary attempt from the Royal Rock Dragons quarterback, Jerry Jakowski <laughs> is what happened, Stacey, which means that Dylan is still alive and heading to the state semifinals. So yeah. Yay? He threw a pass. Long, you know, prayer uh, Hail Mary pass at the end of the game incomplete. Dylan makes it to the semifinals. So that's what's happening. So we're on our way to state.
1: It's weird jumping in at like the tail end of a game and everything's already heightened and I'm like, okay, it's still good. Everything's great.
2: I do love that. That's how our writers are kind of presenting the football stuff. If you notice over the season, the football stuff kind of gets less and less and less and the story becomes more and more and more. Also, it's like how many different ways can you tell the story of a football game?
1: Of us winning a football
2: game. Yeah, of us winning a football game, because as it turns out, we win a lot of football games since we're going to be on our way to state, maybe.
1: It was jarring to me that I was like, oh, God, right, this is a football show, and we do football, like right at the beginning of the episode.
2: Yeah, we jump right into it at the start of this episode.
1: I have to tell you, I this is a, a terrible scene and spot to be in, but I like this side of Lila, this protective big sister Lila thing, and Minka's really good at this like caretaker
2: yeah, Pam, Buddy's wife, has found out that he's been cheating, and they're in a big, huge argument, and glass is breaking, and Lila basically takes care of her little brother and little sister in this scene. It's a, it's a really beautiful moment for for Minka, and she plays it really, really well. She
1: would go on to do that kind of thing, too, on Parenthood as the mm-hmm. autism specialist. She's very good at that, like, caretaker role. When she's yeah. a nurse in real life, maybe that's probably where it comes from. Yeah. <sighs> Derek slash Billy. This is so such an illegal party happening at your house.
2: Calm down. It's just me and a couple hundred (laughs) underage kids letting off some steam. Mm -hmm. By the way, this was Brooke Langdon's first scene on Friday Night Lights. She plays Jackie Miller, who's the the hot next door neighbor on the show. Mm -hmm. And she and I like kind of hit it off as friends right away. She was instrumental in me making the move to Los Angeles after the first season. And she hooked me up with my first place to live when I got to Los Angeles. I mean, I wasn't living with her, but she hooked me up. Mm-hmm. with my first roommate when I got to Los Angeles. Shout out, bro. And it was just a huge help to me when I was making that transition. So, yeah, shout out to Brooke.
1: Of course, the Taylors come home and Buddy's sitting on their front porch. Someone is always over at the Taylor's house. And then <laughs> his line, you know how women are about these things. These things I guess meaning me sleeping with another woman.
2: Sure. Yeah, Buddy Garrity is not very smooth in this scene, but I do love when Tammy and Coach pull up. I love their reaction. <laughs> Tammy says, What is that thing? It's moving. Is that Buddy Garrity? Of course it is. (laughs) It just cracks me up every single time. Once again, it's another one of these moments on the show where the writers have said, okay, how can we force these people that should never, ever be in the same room together in the same room? And now you've got uh, Buddy Garrity and potentially Julie sharing a bathroom.
1: Oh, Buddy and Julie. (laughs) Let the comedy ensue. Okay, Waverly walks in to, I, I guess, through Smash's window. I'm not quite sure how she got upstairs, but everything in my body tensed because I was like, if. Mama Smash walks upstairs and sees this right now, it is going to be very, very bad.
2: Yes. I remember thinking, watching that scene, I can't imagine what Liz Michael would do if she saw this right oh,
1: now. Oh, it would be
2: very, very bad. Lucky for Smash and, and Waverly, that didn't happen. And we're going to have Osh on later, so we'll talk about all, all this stuff coming up.
1: I have to tell you, I had completely forgotten about next-door neighbor, Bo. Yeah. Tim Briggins!
2: <laughs> was played by a young actor at the time named Jay Head. Meanwhile, Stacey, are you ready to have your mind blown? Always. Are you? Sure. Bo yeah. is now 25 years old. Jay Head, the actor, is 25 years old.
1: I don't like that at all.
2: <laughs> I don't either. I don't think, I mean, in my mind, he's still stuck as like a, as like a nine-year-old kid.
1: He is to me too, because he did a really, really cool episode of Law & Order SBU2, where he was like that same age and he stole a van and drove it into it. like, and he was still that little kid.
2: He went on to have a pretty good little career after Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Went and did Hancock, another Peter Berg movie, but also did uh, Blindside. Which was up for all kinds of Academy Awards 10, 11 years ago. So he had a nice little career after this. Yeah, 25 years old. It just, it doesn't make sense old. to me. I remember in the state championship game, I was running around with that little kid on my shoulder. I do a lot of shoulder carrying. I noticed in this episode, I also had a, uh, An underage woman on my shoulder.
1: Yeah. Derek, maybe that's why your shoulder's messed up.
2: Maybe. Maybe that's exactly what it is.
1: There's something very, I don't know if ominous is the right word, but it hit my gut really hard when Street says there's no weakness in forgiveness because remember Lila slept with his best friend, so he had to forgive too. So it's like, yeah, your parents are going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Is there a little um, inappropriate romance happening with this beautiful next door neighbor I don't know if I see Tim as a stepdad.
2: There are definitely some sparks flying there. And it goes back to that conversation we've had earlier in the show about how FNL loves for its high school kids to have relationships with adults. I think by the time the show is done, every one of the the main kids will have had a relationship with someone that was older than them at some point in time.
1: Oh God, that's true.
2: Like all the main kids on this part of the, the show. I mean, when we get the new kids in.
1: Yeah, the Panthers do. The Lions don't do that. Except maybe Matt.
2: Nope. Matt. Oh no! Does he has a nurse in season two? Maybe I
1: have no idea about that storyline. Yeah, there's a
2: stay at home nurse who's Great. taking care of Grandma Saracen. We'll get to that in a later episode. We don't want to get too far ahead. Fantastic! But yeah. All the kids in Dylan, all the little Panther kids, love to date people that are older. Not
1: a lot else to do in Dylan, I guess. I just had to like pause my rewatching and write down Asha Davis is so darn good. And we're going to talk to her later so we could talk about it. I am just fully always mesmerized by her.
2: Yeah, she does that poem by Robert Hayden and it's really... It, she just crushes it, and I can't wait to talk with her either. It'll be exciting because I want to find out what her her process was when she was doing that scene. But yeah, let's let's talk about something else, Stacey. Let's move on. Oh,
1: let's like like about the fact that that I'm now having an illegal party at my house. Exactly. <laughs>
2: you know that's why I was gonna say people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, and also people with glass tables shouldn't do drugs and drink booze because that's what happens. Your mom is a little uh, high, and yeah. uh, she kind of stumbles. She doesn't stumble. She actually sits on the glass table and like crushes it and cuts her. B- I'm guessing. And
1: um, yeah, I guess it. I guess it was a tushy cut. That was a lot of blood.
2: But there's blood everywhere. Yeah, not good. What do you remember about shooting that scene?
1: Couple of things. I remember every time Jesse Plemons as Landry would walk in, I would very drunkenly go, "Hey, I remember you. How is jail?" and that didn't make it. But also, so we did have a stunt double for Dana who did the actual falling through the table. And then yeah. there was also a stunt helper who was just there to make sure that the person doing the fall was guided in the right way. And she ended up becoming Mindy's friend. So she was like a stripper and she sat next to me on the couch. So that girl that's sitting next to me is also a stunty. And there was a lot of just protection there. Those glass glass things can be pretty scary. I mean, it's not real glass, but it still can be pretty scary. Yeah,
2: and you can still, I think you can still hurt yourself on that stuff. If I remember, I've been hit in the head with one of those breakaway bottles. It'll still cut you. It'll still cut you if you're not careful. And also, like, if the bottles are filled with something, it still hurts a little bit when you get hit with one of them. Yeah. Friday Night Lights doesn't do a lot of stunts like that. So that was kind of a, a nice little stunty moment there.
1: It was fun. Then I have to tell you a story about the hospital. So mom's in the hospital. I don't actually know if you ever see me, but during all of those scenes in the hospital, I was, as Mindy, outside the hospital and they wanted me pacing back and forth because I was like getting over being drunk and upset about mom. And they decided that Mindy was a smoker. So I was pacing back and forth and pacing back and forth and chain smoking cigarettes. It was a lot of takes of that scene shooting from the inside. And I was just, as we say, soft in the BG. And during one of the takes because I'm not a smoker, I threw up on camera. Quality. Yeah, <laughs> I got a little nicotine poisoning and totally threw up.
2: That's kind of par for the course, though, with Stacey Oristano. She's kind of prone <laughs> to all kinds of accidents. Yeah. External, internal. It's gonna
1: be a lot of a lot of falling, a lot of me getting hurt, a lot of surgery. You're the only person <laughs> that
2: I, have, I know, we went to dinner one night years ago, a group of friends, and Stacey was in the backseat of a car, and as she got out of the car... She literally threw her back out.
1: I herniated two discs.
2: Getting out of a car.
1: Listen, though, I was a trooper. I made it through that entire dinner, even though I was trying not to cry. And then I got home and then I had to go to the hospital.
2: (laughs) Totally a trooper. But I mean, I've never heard of anyone herniating discs Getting out of a car, but that's Stacy. <laughs> so mad
1: Beamer. That was the fun part of the story.
2: My favorite part in this episode, probably <laughs> hands down, is Buddy Garrity taking the notepad after Coach leaves with his meeting with is it TMU? Oh, God, yeah. Coach comes home, he's asking Coach a bunch of different questions, and he's like, "Where were you, Eric?" Blah 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 blah. It turns out Buddy Garrity pulled a Magnum PI stunt with a notepad, where he takes the pencil edge and mm-hmm. rubs on it. To see what was written on the notepad. Every time I see that scene, it has me laughing because Brad plays it so straight. Where were you, Eric? I know you're out. You and I need to have conversations about these things if you're going to be going out having dinners with TMU or whatever it is he says in that scene. But it just cracks me up every single time I watch it. I love me some Buddy Garrity.
1: It's like Bradley then got to be in his own police procedural for like three minutes. Yes. It's pretty great. <laughs>
2: Buddy Garrity PI.
1: By the way, I've tried that and it didn't work for me, the notepad thing.
2: It will work. If I wrote something on a notepad, you would definitely be able to read it because I'm a hard writer. Like, I write really hard. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs>
1: they they were a hard writer. It's
2: true, Stacey. I am a hard, hard writer. Obviously, you don't know me as well as you thought you Um, did.
1: Lila is not wrong when she says that they are changing and maybe growing apart.
2: Well, we mentioned that in the last episode, how different this person that Jason has kind of started to have feelings for, this tattoo artist. I mean, she's the polar opposite of Lila. And as the show goes on, I'm interested to see where their relationship goes. Because as you said, yeah, they are growing apart.
1: Yeah, and Jason's just becoming a different person.
2: I can imagine after something traumatic like that happens, how could you not change? You're never going to be that person again. So who knows if their relationship can survive this?
1: I don't even know if you noticed, but I'm fully passed out on the couch during that scene with Tyra and Tammy.
2: Oh, I noticed. Did you? Yes.
1: I remember while I was shooting it, like, do I really need to be here right now?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love it though, because between you passed out on the couch and me passed out on the hood of the car in episode seven, I think you and I both are doing like a pretty good job of making any flat surface and Dylan our own personal mattress.
1: (laughs) So then... The the very end of this episode, I thought this was brilliant writing and acting that they've been so excited about this TMU as a concept and maybe something they can do. And then the offer finally comes in and they just kind of sit there. It's not, yeah. they're not excited about it. Yet, maybe.
2: Well, I think the thing is, it's just this realization. It's real now. You know what I mean? It's real. And what are the consequences of this if he takes this job? What about the connections they've made in Dylan? What about Tammy's life that she's created? I mean, when the show starts, Tammy's a stay-at-home mother. She's a housewife. And at this point, she's got this great job now working as a guidance counselor in the high school. And it seems to me that she really enjoys this job. Yeah. And she's connected to these students. And so is Coach. And so Despite all the problems that Dylan has and all the headache that this town causes them, it's their home. And then add to the fact that Julie's dating Matt. Julie's in this in this high school. To uproot your whole entire family to go to another town, that's, that's a lot.
1: Also, the biggest question, if they leave, what happens to Buddy?
2: <laughs> right. More importantly, more than anyone in town, what happens to Buddy Garrity? I can't handle that. But yeah, there's a lot of questions kind of left, uh, left. And we're kind of left. And as an audience, we're sitting here going, wait a minute. Coach can't leave Dylan. That can't have that. That's not the
1: show that I love.
2: Yeah, so it puts a lot of questions on the table. And So I love that moment that they're both just kind of sitting there, not really sure what the answer is at this point in time. That's one of the things, once again, that I love about Friday Night Lights. I've worked on a lot of shows where if you're ever silent, or if you're ever quiet, or if you have a moment of reflection, there's times where directors on other shows will think, oh, well, there's nothing happening. I need to cut this moment. But there's a million things happening in this moment without anything being said. And that's one of the beautiful things about Friday. Friday Night Lights is they let you earn those pauses they let you earn those beats as an actor and in general I think it makes for better story sometimes the the most important stuff in our lives is moments of quiet I think we should get on to the good stuff you want to move on to Asha let's move on to Asha I'm ready let's go everyone we're on with the amazingly talented asha davis who plays smash's gorgeous no-nonsense girlfriend waverly grady in season one you may also recognize asha from her hysterical work on over 50 episodes of comedy central's drunk history or tv shows such as south of nowhere gray's anatomy with me <laughs> gilmore girls boston public the shield er house raising the bar husbands cowgirl up criminal minds chasing life bones or castle asha has also appeared in numerous films including Pariah, from the critically acclaimed and award-winning filmmaker Dee Reese, Asha, welcome to our show.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here.
2: We're excited to have you here. First and foremost, why don't you tell us a little bit how you got into acting? Because I know that there's an interesting story there.
0: Oh yeah. I studied film in DC. I went to George Washington University. So I knew I wanted to move out to LA to work behind the scenes. So my first job was on a late night talk show as a PA. So I took care of all the music acts. So we'd have like Whitney Houston one day, and then Wu-Tang Clan and Blues Traveler. It was just exciting every day. And then one day they pulled me into one of the skits and I'd never done any acting before in my entire life, but I was really excited. I went through hair and makeup. They put me in wardrobe and I had to, um, I had to slap Jack Wagner. It was like, uh play on the fact that he was in a soap opera and people were just getting slapped in soap operas all the time for like no reason. So I say, like, welcome to the show. And then I like slap him. And it was my first experience acting ever. And when you do shows like that, they show the feed in every office. And my boss at the time was like, Wow, you are really not good at this. Like, this is <laughs> not your forte. And I was like, What? But it was It was fun. And I was a little sad, but then they kept pulling me in on other stuff. So it's like, if I'm really that bad, why are they like pulling me in? So eventually I took classes and just fell in love with the process and just never looked back.
2: Sounds to me like they didn't want to pay you. So they just told you you weren't any good. That's because I know you're good. So that's crazy to me.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. But Yeah, it was. I think she I think she didn't like the fact that I wasn't like getting my job done. I was like going into hair and makeup. And I, you know, I wasn't like taking care of Whitney or Bobby Brown. And I wasn't bringing them their lobster. I was like in hair and makeup. So I think it was a little bit of that.
2: That's a roundabout way to get into this business too.
0: And he was great. He's like, yeah, go for it. You know, I'm like, "Oh my god, I've never done a stunt before. Like this is exciting.
1: I love it. Can you tell us a little bit about how Friday Night Lights came to you and the audition process? How did you come to us?
0: Wow, it's pretty amazing. I definitely believe in fate and that things that are meant to be will be. I remember seeing a bus go by with the, like they, they show the Friday Night Lights logo on the side of the bus, the advertisement. And I remember seeing it and be like, man, I'd love to be in a show like that. Like that, that looks so good. And at the time I was going to see Linda Lowy, the amazing casting director. And I was going in to see her for like all types of parts. And I I never went, I'm never the type to like go to my agent and be like, get me on that show. I was just sort of like, yeah, you know, just kind of left it to chance. And it actually worked out because I remember going into the audition and it was a huge monologue. It was that one scene that I have in the classroom with the smash and talking about like relationships and how people, and um, it was this really long monologue and I had it like, I was just like in my head about it. And I remember like all these people auditioning and I just went in and did my best. And I hadn't heard in about like it took like a week or so. So I thought it was like, I I didn't get it, you know. And then I got the call and it's like, they want you to fly out to Austin. And I was like, really? And it was just So exciting. And the other funny thing about that, like deep behind the scenes is I went, I had an agent at the time that was part of the process of getting that audition. And she had actually let me go, like, let's say like on a Friday, it was Friday the 13th. And I found out like that day that she like was moving agencies and she didn't take me with her. But I had already gone out for the Friday Night Lights audition like that Wednesday. And then I found out that I booked Friday Night Lights on Monday. And I was like, oh, man, that's because I was so sad about losing her. But then it just kind of worked out like I still ended up getting the job. I know I know a fellow actor's will just are probably
1: like, oh, because, yeah, did
2: you have to pay her 10 percent? Nope. Yes. <laughs> That's See the best you. part of the story.
1: Yes, sir. <laughs> See, that's what you got for not taking me with you. Uh,
2: that's great. That's great. I love that. I love my favorite part of that story, I think, is that you referred to the smash as the smash. <laughs> you, gave, you gave him his third person, because this has been something that we, Stacy and I joke about on the show regularly, is that he constantly refers to himself as, he's like, I'm a smash, baby. And you're like, Waverly's character is just like, oh my God, she's <laughs> so over this guy speaking in the third person. But I'm glad to know that Asha Davis respects the third person.
1: What did they tell you going into it, or what did you know about Waverly coming into shoot?
0: It was interesting because I I knew that she had a secret And I knew it involved Africa, but I had no idea what it was. And I was pretty sure I was going to be pregnant because I'm always pregnant.
1: (laughs) Same.
2: Here's another question for you. Like, what was it like coming into this show? Because I I know personally, having done guest star work, that it can sometimes be a little nightmarish, like coming in when a show is already kind of. We were mid-season at this point. There's already relationships and bonds that have kind of happened with everyone. Like, what was that experience like coming onto the show? I, th- what, I can't remember. I think you might've come in episode 13. Uh,
0: I think it was like eight or nine. Oh, yeah. I'm crazy. It was I'm in crazy. there. Yeah, no, I'm like, all mixed
2: up right now because I've literally been watching and re-watching and then going back and then listening. But yeah, so but what was that like?
0: I'm impressed that you remembered I was on the show. Um, <laughs> Um, It was, I've moved around a lot and I've started new schools quite a bit in my life. So I think it helped me doing a lot of guest stars over the years and just kind of like, hi, I'm the new girl and having to just kind of gel. I think that's part of like acting is being able to get comfortable really quickly and despite the circumstances. So I definitely was nervous. I think it was my first time ever traveling. I believe, yeah, it was the first time I ever traveled on a job, like actually had to go to another city. And live there and work. Yeah. And I was definitely nervous, but I was lucky to have Adrian, who plays Tyra. She, uh, we both have the same manager, and I remember oh, her being man. like, "Go find Adrian, and you know, you guys go hang out." And we definitely like went to dinner, and then like Connie would go out to dinner with us as well. And it was really great to have them. And then also Gaius, who's amazing, plays the Smash. Oh, uh, Brian! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I even forgot like his real name. I'm like, I think it's Brian. He was so welcoming and we definitely bonded. We would like go out to dinner and movies and get that kind of gel together as much as we could. We would rehearse a lot for our scenes. So having that kind of energy made it so much easier. Stephen Kay, the director, was so welcoming and really great. So I was lucky to be with an awesome cast and I felt like Austin was home like right away. I loved Austin. It was it's like a big city with a small town feel. like yeah. if you walk like if you're sitting around, like I stayed at the Hyatt, And, you know, people would walk up to you and be like, oh, you know, where are you from? And and they would actually invite you to dinner and be like, hey, we're going to dinner later. You want to join us? Like, it was just a very, a really great place to work.
2: I remember you and you and Annie and I went to dinner one night and I was at this point in time in my life, not the most sophisticated. uh, I still don't have the most sophisticated palate (laughs) on the planet. But we went to some fancy restaurant that had a like they they had uh, like an egg yolk on the pizza. Do you remember this? And at the time I was just like, what the hell is this? Like, why can't I just get a normal pizza? I remember that specifically. I cannot remember the name of the place, but I remember it was on like South Congress and it was delicious, but it was, you know, at that time in my life where I hadn't been to a lot of nice restaurants because I never had money. And then all of a sudden I'm going to nice restaurants and I'm like, what the hell is this fancy crap? Like, yeah, you know. who puts an egg on a pizza? Now <laughs> I send it back if there's not an egg on it. You kidding me? How dare you? As, as you <laughs> should. You're
1: like, this isn't like Austin at all. <laughs> this my... sounds weird to me. Had you spent any time in Austin before this? I had never been to Texas. Oh, I was wow.
0: wondering, what is Texas going to be like? And then everyone's like, well, Austin isn't really like Texas. <laughs> but i and i i don't know a better way to see or experience the city than working in it because it's like i don't know it's like you're making money and you're especially on a set cuz they're picking you up and they're taking you to location and it's not like you have to really figure things out um so i i loved it and i still love austin i i think it's such a great city like i i adore it it's got so much culture and like but like there's the first time i ever went to a bar where um they played live music for karaoke. I thought that was amazing.
2: Jumping right into it, like, Waverly's got some pretty intense episodes right off the bat. I mean, one of the, the first episodes that we we see with Waverly is where the, the whole entire team is about to basically go on strike after Mac McGill's comments about racism. Can you talk about that episode and how you prepared for it or, or, or came about it?
0: Absolutely. I remember being like, oh, man, like, everyone's going to hate Waverly. Like, he said, like, why can't you just <laughs> leave it alone? Like, because I'm, like, so... But I was really now that I'm old, the older and looking back, I'm like, good, go, go for it, girl. Like, I'm so glad you stood up for yourself. But at the time, I just wanted to, like, be the girl that everyone's like, oh, you know, she just gets along with everyone. And it just if you're popular, then they want you to be in the show more. They want you to gain fandom, all this stuff. And I remember if I'm being completely honest, I was like, "Mm, everyone's going to hate her. Like, they're going to be like, why is she? fighting this system. But now looking back, I'm like, what an incredible episode. And then for him to like, come back at the end, because usually when they pin the bad guy and the, guy, the guy's racist or whatever, he doesn't get to redeem himself or like, he just kind of like the bad guy and he disappears. And they actually gave him a chance to be like, actually do something to kind of turn that energy around. And I thought that was really smart and awesome of the writing to do that.
2: Well, I think that's also a testament to you as an actress, because it never came across from my standpoint as a viewer that you were like this person that we were supposed to dislike. I mean, I think we always liked you, even in the first scene that you have on the show, or one of the first scenes that you have on the show, there's, there's a maturity to Waverly. You say something about uh, uh, monogamy and and marriage, and I can't Mm -hmm. remember, and, it's like I remember watching it, and Stacey and I were commenting on this when we got to that episode. How she's just wise beyond her years, and it's it's kind of a a relief because you're dealing with a lot of these kids that are, especially Smash, still trying to figure out kind of who he is and how to express himself, and then all of a sudden Waverly comes on, and Waverly. knows how to express herself. So that was kind of a a breath of fresh air.
0: Thank you so much. I did like that she kept him in check and that she would bring this kind of point of view. And I remember doing that monologue and when you're on shows, a lot of times you don't know if it's going to be one episode, two, a hundred. And I had done that monologue and then I went to kind of, uh, you know, you put your chairs on on the outside next to the producers and stuff. And then Christina it come up to me and she was like, I hope you brought a lot of underwear because you're going to be staying. And I was so excited. I was like, yes, yes, yes. It was like my first big scene. And I was like, yeah, okay. Okay. I rocked it. Cause I was nerve wracking having that, all that dialogue. I'm so much sillier and immature than Waverly <laughs> is. So it was just like, okay, how do I play this wise, amazing person? You know, when I would just be like, yeah, you know, doing it is fun. You know, I just <laughs> Asha would be like completely like jokey and, and silly. And so it was I was so happy that I was able, you know, that I was able to come across like from maturity. Thank you so much.
1: That's Nan's first thought too, that it's like I, I hope you have underwear. Like not like a sweater or other <laughs> things, but I, I I really hope you have a lot of underwear.
2: Well, in all fairness, Friday Night Lights was kind of guilty about not telling us sometimes about how often we were going to be back. And there were times where literally I'd be told, hey, we're going to bring you down for episode 10 or whatever. And you'd come down for episode 10 and you'd shoot episode 10. And as you're about to leave, they go, hey, we uh, just talked to your agents. We're going to have you stick around for episodes 11 and 12. And I'm like, I literally only bought three pairs of underwear because I was only going to be here for two days. So I was constantly making trips to buy more underwear. I was washing socks occasionally in my my hotel room Mm because like you, you definitely run out of stuff. I remember there was one time I wore like a shirt three days in a row and I was like, this needs to end, man. Like you need to go shopping. But I also, there were times where I came down there where I didn't have a car, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, people don't understand sometimes some of the limitations that you have as an actor when you're shooting on location. This was
1: pre-Uber and Lyft, too. So, like, if you had to go to Target, it'd be like, I don't actually know how to do
2: that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember going to Walmart at, like, 3 in the morning with Dias one time. I don't even know why, but it was like, okay, this is our opportunity, you know. I'm guessing
2: to get underwear. Yeah,
0: Yeah. probably.
2: <laughs> yeah that's that's why i became really close with taylor Kitsch because he had a car obviously down there being a series regular because he was there the whole time and so Kitsch would drive me around everywhere and i'd be like hey uh after <laughs> we get lunch do you mind if we stop by and i need to get some socks or i need to get yeah whatever <laughs> whatever it was i need to get some groceries <laughs>
0: yeah exactly it's so true home sweet hyatt is what i yeah. used to
2: call it oh yeah. Oh, the Hyatt. Hyatt. I spent so much time at the Hyatt that I actually wound up uh, repainting my bedroom the same colors as the Hyatt. Are you serious? I swear to God, because it started to feel like home. And I was like, I like being in this place and I want to feel that way when I'm actually in my real home. Shout out, (laughs) Hyatt. Yeah, there we go.
1: Did you not know going, going into it about the backstory of bipolar and mental illness that came, they brought that to you later?
0: Yeah, I had no, no idea
1: at all. I remember um,
0: Stephen Kay, the director, broke the news to me. It was, I, I loved it. I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I said, I, I assumed it was about me being pregnant or something like that. And for it to be something that I hadn't really seen tackled before. I was so I love that. So I was really really excited like okay what is this about and how can I start researching and at the time there wasn't a lot of information but I do remember listening to a couple almost like this like podcast it wasn't a podcast at the time but just um like some sort of video recording of a, a young girl who had bipolar disorder and her talking about it and her experience with it and then I was Okay, this is a great jump-off point. And then also the amazing contribution of the writers and Stephen Kay, the, the director, really, really helped. So yeah, it was exciting, right? It's like just jump in.
1: They saw you, they saw your work, and then they trusted you with a story that heavy and like good on them. I read an article by a journalist named Katie Burt, and she had written about the three TV shows that helped her access help for her mental illness or even realize and come to terms with the fact that she had mental illness. And her major one was watching Waverly on Friday Night Lights. And it was like, if she can deal with this and get help for it, I can too. Wow.
0: Wow. That's so touching. It means a lot to me. Wow. That's, that's.
1: Yeah. Not the first time I've heard that either from people who, especially when they were younger watching. It's, 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 Fairly undiagnosed in young people too. Yes. So watching somebody play that age and go through those struggles and it really like opened their eyes. I think my favorite moment with you is when you're, I guess maybe have having a, a bipolar episode. I'm not sure what it is, but and you read the the Robert Hayden poem "Full Moon at the Alamo." Freeze! I I kid you not. I probably rewound it and watched you read that like five times. I love it so much.
0: I have the best story about that scene. I remember practicing that poem oh, over and over in my hotel room. I'm trying to think if there was a song or if I was supposed to sing. I, I forget what it was. But during my scene, the my co-stars were like interrupting me and kind of like laughing at me and stuff like that. And I remember going to the director at the time, Charles, and I said, I'm having a really hard time because like a lot of people are kind of interrupting. And I understand like their motivation and it makes sense. I was like, but is there any way like we can kind of coordinate it and make it? And he said, Nope. He's like, just use it. And I just went back and said, okay, if it's frustrating me, get louder. If it's stand up, if they're not paying attention. And I just ended up, that's what, what came to me to be heard. I ended up like having to like get up out of my seat and become louder. And
1: yeah. It's not Oh amazing? my God, Asha, I have chills. you <laughs>
2: love that it's, so much. It's really a brilliant scene. I dated a girl in New York who was diagnosed bipolar. And I mean, just watching it, it was like, it's part of the reason I found her so exciting is because when she was manic or, or when she was having one of those episodes, she was literally like the most exciting person on the planet to be around. There was so much energy and so much life, but then there was the other side of that. And I wanted to talk about that other side right now because that scene with Waverly broken down in the kitchen is, is gut wrenching. And I've experienced it firsthand with that girl that I dated as a guy, you're sitting there going, I don't know what to do here. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how to help you. And I I think we kind of see that's essentially what smash basically winds up doing is just kind of backing off and, and walking away. I would have loved for them to explore that a little bit more, but I wanted to talk to you about what that moment was like, because that is literally one of, it's one of those iconic moments on this show, Stacy and I have also talked about this before, where, where not a lot is said, mm-hmm. where it's just a visual thing and it's being played so spectacularly by by the actor or the actress in this particular case. Can you talk about what that scene was like for you and how you got to that moment?
0: Thank you so much. I know exactly, I just want to touch a little bit about what you said about the excitement of it. I know exactly what you're talking about. i like yeah, it's almost like you you enjoy that side of them because they're like bigger than life. And it's like, so like they're having so much fun and you, you get caught up in that energy. And then there's the complete flip side of that, you know, heavy depression. And I remember when I got that scene, I think it, it was written as like a crying scene. Like she's like sitting in the kitchen crying. And I don't, the thing about me as an, a person even is like people always read everything that I'm feeling on my face. Like I, I can never like hide how I'm actually feeling like I have to like kind of really go there to feel that, uh, for it to be expressed on my face. And I remember thinking like, Oh my gosh, I hope I cry. Like, I hope like, you know, what is written is what happens. But then I also remember in my acting classes, something that my, you know, my teacher said at the time, Arthur Mendoza, amazing acting coach had said, like, it's people who are trying not to cry that you believe the most. It's not like trying to push to cry. It's when the actor is trying not to cry because they're feeling, and because that's what people do when they're crying. They're not trying to, they're actually trying to hold it in because it's like, you know, you don't want to like express that in front of people, whatever. And I remember being disappointed kind of in my performance. I was like, man, the tears didn't come. Like, Like that would have been like what was written and it would have been great. But then now looking back, I'm like, that's how I was feeling. That's, it was numbness. It was like out of world feeling. It was like, I'm not here with anyone who understands me or who wants to, it was like putting a wall up. It was quite the opposite. It, It didn't feel vulnerable. It felt like defensive in a lot of ways. Like, let me just kind of disappear into myself. So yeah, thank you so much for saying that. But I just kind of went, with however I was feeling at the moment and the tears didn't come, but that's, that's how I, I felt I would have probably dealt with it if I was feeling that kind of emptiness
2: yeah and that's I think emptiness is the best way to describe it. i mean, when when I watch that scene, it's just a person who is essentially devoid of life. it's It's the polar opposite, obviously, and that's why we're saying bipolar. but like mm. it's the polar opposite of the Waverly we've come to know at this point, and especially the Waverly that we've seen in that in that previous episode or in that episode where she's having that moment delivering that poem and so full of life and so full of energy, having firsthand experience with it, you just crushed both sides of that. And that's yeah. Kudos to you as an actress. Thank you so much. Thank you. So here's a question. What do you think happened to Waverly after this? Where do you think she went? Where do you think... I'm, I'm still upset. And I, I know that this is a love letter to Friday Night Lights, and I've said that from the beginning on this show. But it's, it's always upset me that we had such a great storyline with this character, and then it just ended. And I know... I'm not alone in that. I know you probably are not alone in that. Uh, what do you think happened? Where do you think she she went? What do you think the deal was?
0: My thought is that relationships can be pretty hard for people with bipolar disorder. You're afraid about, of the way people will look at you, if they will hang in there with you throughout it. And my guess is that it probably led to more kind of manic episodes and maybe she went to go get help but that's just i don't know kind of that makes me feel better to think about it that way i do wish that she had a chance to kind of like we could have seen her go through it and maybe rise and and figure it out and kind of i felt like her arc was kind of you know
2: i feel like it was cut short i i, I think <laughs> the show did such a wonderful job i think of of in a brave job of, of showing what happened with Jason street. And we saw that from its beginning to its end. And we didn't have some miraculous cure. And I'm I didn't want that for Waverly either. I mean, people that struggle with bipolar disorder struggle with that their whole entire lives. And some of them get medication and some of them stay on that medication and it helps, but I've also talked to people that have been on the medication. And the problem with the medication is, is that everything is just even there's no more highs, There's no more lows. But if you have those manic highs, you know what that feels like now. Yeah, it's almost euphoria
1: that you're not going to have anymore. Absolutely.
2: So I think that's why people do get off their medication. Yeah,
0: and some people even, they try to
1: control it through um, like their food or
0: Mm -hmm. um, they self-medicate with alcohol. So yeah, I can imagine she probably went through a couple of those experiences. Like, okay, I'm going to change my diet, no more of this. Trying to figure it out on her own, I bet. And then, yeah, who knows? Who knows? They just got
1: pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, probably. Do you have a favorite moment from being on set or from production? Oh, I have a lot. I have a lot, man. I mean,
0: we went and shot guns. Gaius, Minka and I. Um, just to get ready for our our shoot. We went to a shooting range That was the first time I ever held a gun. And like, that was exciting. A lot, like times with Minka, like going out for ice cream. That, that's kind of behind the scenes stuff. In production, I really liked the fair was a lot of fun. I, I can't think of a bad day that I had there. I just- Oh, was- wow. Such a really it was, it was, you know, it was such a joy.
2: So what are you up to right now? Anything you want to talk about? Anything exciting going on? Some oh,
0: facial plugs. plugs. Um <laughs> yeah, let's see. So uh just last weekend I worked on a short film, which was really exciting. It was a chance for me to work with some um, mentees. There's people who are trying to break out into this business, especially people of color. And so it was really fun to have like a, a script written. By by a a young person of color and then people who wanted to try out makeup. And so it was kind of like an experimental like school. It's almost like a school for them to learn um, more about being on set and and how to do that. And the the set was so professional, was so great. So the short film is called Legend, and it's going to be on All Black, which is a, a new platform that was actually... That is run by the same man who started BET, and it is a great story about community and about entrepreneurship, which I think people are really into right now. Um, trying to make their own path, their own money, their own way. And I got to work with a lot of small business owners in the LA area, which was awesome. Like so we would shoot in their locations, like their stores would be our location, and they would actually act in the short film with us. And they did such a great job. Like I can't even tell you. I think that. Having that entrepreneurship um spirit makes you kind of like good at performing because you know that what it takes, like the hard work of learning your lines, of showing up, of trying over and over, of listening, of, you know, so it was really great to see that come to fruition. I worked for like Jay's, like a pair of <laughs> a pair of shoes, and I got to keep like a lot of my wardrobe and and it was it was just a blast. So that'll be on all black coming up soon. But also I, I I did some fun stuff over. Our crazy COVID experience, I got to work on set on a show called I Think You Should Leave on Comedy Central, which is a fun sketch show. I had a great time on the set, especially under t- the circumstances. They're extremely professional and great. And yeah, I'm just I'm keep grinding, you guys. And hopefully... Mm-hmm. We'll be out there again soon together.
2: That's awesome, and it sounds like just a, a really cool experience. I mean, we all know that the best way to learn is to get up on your feet and just do it. So that's, absolutely, that's awesome.
0: yeah. I remember meeting the woman who's playing Miss Linda, like in our in our um, film, and I was like, "Oh, what's your real name?" And she's like, "Miss Linda." <laughs>
2: That's great.
0: Oh, so You're, like, really hurt. Because like, she's talking about, like, the Rodney King riots and how they had to save their, you know, shot from the fires. It's, like, a really deep, poignant speech. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this really happened. Like, this is really about you. So, yeah, it was amazing. That's
2: oh. awesome. Well... Now I think we're done. No. Now I think we're done. Now you can leave. No, I don't want (laughs) to leave. I loved
0: it. Thank you so much, you guys. It's such a joy to be with you. So anytime, you call
2: me up. All right, everybody. That is it for episode 18.
1: Join us next time when we unpack episode 19 with very special guest Dana Wheeler-Nicholson, who plays my mama, Angela Collette. Until then, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Clear Eyes Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions.
2: Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions.
1: Our producer is Miranda Parham.
2: Send your questions to Pod at gmail.com.
1: Find us on social media. I'm Stacey Oristano on Twitter and Instagram.
2: And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram.
1: And check out our website, ClearEyesFullHeartsPod.com. 13com and blackbarrelmedia.com.
2: Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.